0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who thinks that my introductions of him cut him down to size, and you might hear him say to me, don't do me like that. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben. i
0: So for this episode, we have not one, but two special guests. First up, the man behind Wayne's hashtag, hashtag sidelined with his multiple guest (laughs) co-host appearances. He's the man that Wayne wants to say, don't come around here no more. Here's (laughs) Jeff Johnson.
2: (laughs) Hello guys. Uh, Thanks for having me back
0: on. Absolutely. And last but not least, you might remember him from our episode when we did Poison's Flesh and Blood. He's the host of the Toon Styles podcast and he's, got a heart so big it could crush this town here's brian colburn (laughs) thanks for having me back gentlemen it's a pleasure absolutely so you guys you guys know the premise of the podcast we talk about music but we do the t-shirt question to get get started so uh let's go with brian first what t-shirt are you wearing oh man it's
3: almost it's oh i'm just gonna say it it's pop evil they opened for Poison and Cheap Trick on their last tour, and they were an awesome kind of modern hard rock band, really enjoyed their set. And we went over to the merch table, and the shirt is actually their logo done in the Voltron font. Nice. With a Voltron-like character coming out of the lightning. It's it's a, it's an awesome shirt, and every time I wear it out, I get – either music nerds pointing at it because of the you know pop evil knowing who they are or the cartoon nerds like me growing up that grew up with voltron and transformers and all that and they dig the nostalgia factor of it
2: absolutely absolutely very cool did you get into the the most
3: recent voltron series the the netflix series jay the co-host of cartoon styles loves it and he's been trying to get me to watch it i have two girls and anytime cartoons are on it's usually my little pony so i'm trying to sway them to try some new things so maybe in the near future
2: my company we did the trailers and and viral uh, online advertising and stuff for the series and shot some stuff behind the scenes when they were recording the last episode and stuff like that so uh it was kind of fun oh fantastic
3: definitely yeah. want to ch- i definitely want to check yeah. that out
2: yeah it's cool very good Jeff, what T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, I went away from music today. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of uh, the induction of Edgar Martinez into oh, Cooperstown. Yeah. You and I were there. That was a much better time, simply one year ago. <laughs> and uh, you know, with baseball kicking back up into gear at some in some form uh, this week, this weekend, I don't know anymore, man. But it's uh, my Edgar Martinez uh, Cooperstown uh, Hall of Fame induction T-shirt. So, oh, fantastic. Very good nice yeah the uh the the
0: facebook memory came up yesterday of the uh the selfie that i took with trevor hoffman yeah yeah so better times last year wayne how about you what t-shirt are you wearing uh
1: you know what i got this friend salt of the earth guy sent me a couple t-shirts about a month ago this is my men zingers t-shirt i call it jason and the alien it's like a guy in a hockey mask and the alien from the video
0: very nice. All right. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm not wearing a new shirt. I I d- forgot that it was Wednesday, and uh, forgot that it was uh, recording day. So I'm. I'm wearing a. I'm wearing my Pearl Jam Chicago shirt that I got from a good friend of mine. So
3: very cool. Is that the one from the Let's Play Two? It's just
0: uh, on the back of it. Is all the times that they played in Chicago. So oh, awesome. That, so they do have uh, the 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 couple of Wrigley Field uh, dates on there as well. So, yeah,
3: yeah. I've I've listened to that live CD probably more in the last year or two than any other live album. The energy on that one is just outstanding. That's yeah,
0: exactly. great. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's let's kick this off with a little roundtable stuff. So um, first, we're we're announcing some big news. Uh, we've been meaning to do this for a while. Wayne, y- you want to do the honors or should I?
1: Uh, yeah, I heard that Ben is going to stop asking the Africa question, the question that <laughs> destroyed my faith in humanity.
0: Whoa. <laughs> so we are we are officially retiring the Toto's Africa question. I've only asked it periodically over the past month or so of episodes, and it just it feels right not to ask. And, uh, not that we're taking ourselves too seriously now, Wayne, cause, um, I hope not we're still going to ask the t-shirt question. Cause I, I, I love that. And we're always going to ask our guests to help us with the outro part. But I think not asking the question has seemed to transition well from what the guest is talking about into what the guest chose as the record. So it's been a nice run, but um, it's
2: time to retire it. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good bit. Uh, I'll have to kind of see if I can figure out a different fight to pick with Wayne. Is what I think that means. It's a challenge, <laughs> challenge accepted.
1: Yeah, I am sure you have no problem.
2: <laughs> and uh,
0: if if my numbers are correct. It was 43 in the yay column versus 16 in the no column.
1: Yeah, if it, if it had been a, a boxing match, they would have called it a long time ago. I was going to yeah. say
3: that there, there were 16 wrong answers in that question. Wow. 16 wrongs.
2: <laughs> so you're on you're on my side then, Brian. Oh, I'm Team Africa all the way, uh, man. Fantastic. Yeah, he's,
0: we'll get along he's, fine. Yeah, he's part of that 43 or whatever. All right. But, all right. Yeah, it's good to know. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Cheap plug here, Batoon Styles did an entire episode just on the cover versions of Africa because we love that song so much. So
2: Nice. Did you happen to find one by uh, – oh, what was the name of the band, Ben? Uh, something
3: Sex Party? Uh, what was the, the cover? Ninja it? Sex Party? Ninja, Ninja Sex, Sex Party. Party. I don't think we talked about that one because we we went down a rabbit hole and I think we stopped at like fifteen different versions okay. and it was just right. it, it, from the weird to uh, Pitbull has a version of it that was in Aquaman Yay. So y- yeah 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 so uh, all the way down to a guy who purposely sang it out of tune and it was in that category of it's so bad it's brilliant. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I found I found Ninja Sex Party going down the the rabbit hole with our Glenn Phillips episode. Uh, they had covered um, which one of the Peter Gabriel? I think they covered uh, Sledgehammer and maybe they big, covered Big Time. I thought Big it Time, was. maybe something like that. I don't know. Really? I think so. Yeah. They have now, are they supposed covers. to be like kind of comedy? Because I almost yes, but they do a lot of covers too. They have tons. Yeah. yeah, tons. So interesting. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. Um,
0: Jeff, did you check out Glenn's stage it that he did a couple nights ago?
2: I've not. I've seen your post about it. I haven't seen the the new version yet. Is it is it <sighs> is it just out there and available or? No, it's not available. That's the yeah, problem it. With, stage it. with
0: stage it's with stage They don't record that, so you can check it out oh, later. So lame. he, um, so he, we we challenged him on the episode to do a cover of In Your Eyes. And he tried it out on one of his Facebook Live events that he's been he's been doing. And after he did it the first time, he was like, eh, I probably need to work on that a little bit more. And so, you know, I I periodically will watch them, but I saw on the set list that sure enough he played that as the very first song on his stage it. And um of course I didn't partake of that, so Hold hold on just a second. I feel like right? that was
2: the wasn't that the opening from um, even the losers. I think we just heard the opening. <laughs> from <Even> the losers. <laughs> I think so. Right, I think in the background. It's, it's the same sound. It's, it's the it's normal noises. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the normal
3: noises in here.
2: That's what it is. <laughs>
3: Because apparently, if I'm not mistaken with that story's correct, they were running the washing machine was like the sounds were in the background or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: uh, Yeah. I wonder if it was like when I I lived in a single wide trailer when I was a kid, you'd run the washing machine and it would just vibrate out from the wall the whole time. So you had to stand against it to keep it from like letting loose of the hose with the water in it. So, Uh uh-huh.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hi, I'm back.
2: Hey, welcome back. We've been talking without you. So, so Brian, tell me what's going on with your
0: podcast.
3: So yeah, we're going to be doing episodes this summer, but a little bit more intermittently than we normally do on a regular schedule because Jay is in the middle of moving right now. So with a family of four kids and a wife and dogs and everything else, trying to squeak out an hour or two here to record every now and then is going to be tough over the next couple of weeks, but we're hoping to schedule a few before the move and uh, you know keep things going. But then once he's all settled into the new pad, then we're going to be Uh, going live back to our old schedule again. We're we're also looking to try to do a little bit more of the roundtable discussions and try to bring the guests into the roundtable discussions a little bit more as opposed to just a straight interview because we've gotten some feedback from people and it is kind of swaying more towards the discussion-based episodes being the most popular because let's say somebody's not a fan of a particular artist, they might not feel the need to listen even though there's – might be something they're worth listening to. Not us, by the way, but the, you know, the other person
0: <laughs> that's the challenge we have with every episode.
3: Amen. Amen. Yeah.
0: Where it's like, uh, no, no, no. You need to listen to this because this person's really good. I know that you might not like Curtis Mayfield, but you should listen to Adeline cause she's great. You know, that, that, that kind of conversation. So, totally get it. All right, so a couple things. Uh, I'm going to go broke this summer because number 1, the please to meet me box set or deluxe set, whatever you want to call it for the replacements is coming out and that's of course I'm going to have to do the whole bundle, you know, with the cassette interview with Paul Westerberg and the t-shirt and the placemat and I don't know whatever else. So it's over 100 bucks. Anyone else going to purchase that? Yeah, I'm definitely grabbing them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so so there's that. And then um, today, as of this recording, just a couple hours ago, so Matt Nathanson is putting out a second live record. Oh, nice. Called, called Live in Paradise Boston. And so he's also doing a bundle, which includes records, mm-hmm a t-shirt a mask uh digital copies of like 30 extra tracks that
2: are not on the record so um i feel like that's yeah, one of the I'm, one of the few joys available right now is something like that like i got the uh, national high violet expanded edition the colored vinyl and it's uh i already have the regular vinyl but that's, that's how bored i am <laughs> <laughs> just i just like i just i would like to watch a a purple, a purple and white splattered disc spin around my turntable right now, rather than do nothing. So, no, I, I totally get that. I've been, I've been putting the
0: Jason Isbell record on because I bought one of the uh, Creamsicle limited edition versions, and uh, uh, I've been
2: spinning that a lot just because it looks cool. Yeah, I, lo- I love watching them. I love watching them go around, especially the colored, the various colored discs and stuff. So. Yeah, I'm easy to amuse is the point, and I will I will give you fifty dollars. Apparently, is uh, what I will do if you re-release an album and put Easily on the vinyl. Easily amused with
1: disposable income, yeah. with
2: a little disposable income, and I'm not and going to concerts right now. So nope. Bring well, it. On. My
1: wife, my wife is flat
3: out asking me, "What are you doing? You know, you're." You're, what are you doing when you listen to all of these albums? I said, well, I'm on eBay bidding on other ones. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I need a soundtrack for that. Come on now. <laughs> I, totally, I totally hear
0: you. I, uh, I bought, so I don't know if you guys have been following me on Twitter, but uh, last Thursday, my, my CD changer, my five-disc CD changer that I've had since uh, sophomore year of college, which was a long time ago. Finally, pooped out on me. Yeah, and what did you buy? You bought like a hundred disc thing or something. It's cra- so it's crazy. So I went to two different garage sales and then three pawn shops looking for something comparable, and just didn't didn't find anything. I will tell you one thing that I found at the pawn shop in just a second. But the last pawn shop I went to, so they had they had a a similar sony disc changer which was like the model just above the one that i had but it was pretty beat up and it was like 40 bucks And i'm like eh, i don't know if i want to spend 40 bucks w- knowing that this is probably going to crap out at you know in, in like a week um so i'm looking around and i went and looked at their clearance area and they had a Pioneer hundred discs changer oh, <laughs> goodness. for fifteen dollars. Oh, Jeez. geez, <laughs> and it's in great condition. And so I was like, "All right, I'll I'll do that."
2: So yeah, I have so. I have so many questions. Like, how much did they loan on that thing that it was worth to sell it for fifteen? It's been taking up shelf space in their shop for how long? Because they shouldn't have been loaning any money on it recently. There's not a market for that. That's great, and and you know right. how long it takes to load those things, right? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah! yeah. Uh, no one has 100 CDs anymore. I
2: do. I, I do. I'm all physical media. <laughs> yeah, I'm I,
3: all I, about physical media. My, 100%. I, I'm, uh, I am in the middle of a big project just to – uh, because we live in a townhouse, so we have some space restraints. So what I did was actually de-box all of my CDs, and I put them in audiophile plastic sleeves with the booklet. And I found I could save – I could put four CDs in the space of one and then I bought bins and I have them all in bins with the, you know, a to Z and it all fits into a small cabinet, which now I have 2,500 CDs at the moment. I've figured out that I can get another 1500 before this cabinets closed, And I think that buys me (laughs) a, you know, like a, a year to a year and a half of safety before my wife says, okay, it's getting out of control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I uh, so so um, so I when I peeled off the clearance sticker so so going back to what you were asking, how long has it been in in pawn in um, the sticker says February of 2019. Wow okay so, right.
2: so, so it's been there for well over a year. yeah but they're still loaning money in 2019 on disk changers yeah. yeah yeah interesting. Uh, so
0: so Wayne, uh, one of the one of the pawn shops that I went to had uh, had a couple crates of of records. So I was looking through their records, found uh, found my p- favorite Pete Townsend solo record, uh, the one uh, with Give Blood. I guess it's what White City, White City. Um, but I also found a really good used version of bruised orange by John Oh, Nice. Wow. And, uh, they, so it had this, had some stickers on each of them. And these were guys that didn't have any freaking clue of, you know, what things were worth. So they were looking up all of the, uh, the records on eBay to see how much they were going for. and, And the guy's like, Oh, I guess I have to honor this $15. Right. And I was like, well, yeah. And uh, he didn't tell me how much they were going for on eBay, but I looked it up at home, and they're going for like $60, $70 right now. Wow.
3: Yeah. Well, I guess because he passed, there was the surge in purchases. Right. Yeah. You know, and then in six months, they'll do the re-release campaign, and that'll drive the prices down on the users.
2: I would sell that one right now is what I would do if I were you. I, I know,
0: I know. I came home and I told my wife, I'm like, so I got, I got myself a deal and she just looks at me and she's like, it's not a deal if you don't sell it. Yeah, she's right.
3: (laughs) Yes. But the longer you hold on to it, the more value it becomes.
2: Yeah. Tell tell that to my baseball cards. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And all of the stadium giveaway items I've kept from the last 30 years of but you Yunk. perched a lot of those. Like I, you, you a were... little bit, a little
4: bit. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would have to say a lot. I'm, I, yeah. Cause you were texting me. You, Hey, do you want this? Hey, do you want that? And I was like,
2: no, that's garbage. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, do you need an Aaron cook, uh, Rockies program or whatever it was? Uh, no, no, yeah. I do not. Exactly. No. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a problem. I have problems.
0: I know we do. Uh, so what, uh, what records are you guys
2: listening to right now? I, the National. I'm in a hev- heavy National rotation again. Um, okay. Just a heavy, heavy rotation on the National for whatever reason. Uh, I just did a road trip, though. We, we drove up up and back to uh, Montana from California, from Los Angeles. Uh, so a lot of time in the car. So we listened to a lot of stuff. I, I actually broke out Johnny Cash again, went through a ton of Johnny Cash, um, all the Wilco albums. um who Fighters, Pearl Jam. So road trips are the best for just diving back into yeah.
4: stuff. Oh mean, yeah. I just went a
1: on a I went on a six hour road trip to eastern Washington and listened to uh, just about all of the Adamant records.
4: Oh, okay.
0: Nice, nice. Very good. How about you, Brian?
1: I've been diving down
3: a hard bop jazz rabbit hole as of late, just picking up some old Coltrane and Miles Davis and Art Blakey and uh Dexter Gordon, just kind of putting it on in the background during the day while I'm working. It's just kind of this, it's just this chill music. It's kind of there. And if you stop and listen to it and you kind of marvel at how it was recorded back, you know, a lot of the stuff was done here in New Jersey and like Englewood and, uh, in that area. Um, just listening to some of the recordings is really amazing. And on top of those, I actually have been diving backwards in the 2000s, two bands that I knew existed. I knew a couple of the top hits, but I just, one of my friends is like, dude, you really need to go listen to some albums, were Paramore and Jimmy Eat World. So I've been kind of diving oh. to their back catalogs and kind of really enjoying it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I, I thought I was going to be, you know, turned off by a lot of it, but I was very pleasantly surprised on a lot of the songs I'm hearing.
0: Very good. Yeah. Huh all right well i've been i've been uh doing in, in fact i i don't think I posted that uh i finished my a petty a day uh listen so I was oh. listening to every single tom Petty record um i haven't listened to the johnny Cash record that that the heartbreakers did with him um but uh even listened to the two mud crutch. Uh, records and um i didn't post all of them i just
3: uh, i was about to say i didn't see the hypnotic eye post because i would have jumped on that one because if there were ever to be a swan song album from him if there isn't an unreleased one in the vaults that we may you know may or may not see down the road when he was alive hypnotic eye was such a strong strong album that i think really kind of flew under the radar because people were taking it as the like mojo 2, where it was a little more blues based and hypnotic. Eye was straight back to the rock that he was known for all the way from the beginning. And man, it was such a great album.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mojo is probably my least favorite of all of his records. And uh, probably because of that whole blues thing. Um, I like blues influence rock. I don't necessarily like, straight-up blues. I felt like that was more straight-up blues.
3: I could definitely hear that. There's a few songs on there that stray away from that. Uh, I Should Have Known It was a fantastic rocker. And yeah. then uh, Something Good Coming, the, the the ballad towards the end, is just hauntingly That's beautiful. Great. That's yeah. a beautiful song. Those
2: are both the ones I would have called out on that one, too, as my favorites, for sure. Wayne and I kept talking
0: about, uh, you know, we need to start doing more episodes where we're picking him. We're picking the records because <laughs> there's there, there's been a few, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say which which ones. But but poison, but poison. <laughs> no, 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 not 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 Excuse even me. Not, not even the poison one.
3: Um, well, but picked, there's who picked poison? Me. <laughs> you picked it, okay? Because that's what I was gonna say. You were the one on it, right? You picked it. Yes. Okay. And right. and uh, as I said on the episode, I picked it because I thought it was an interesting album, not because it was one of my favorites. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think and I think that some of our guests have that same idea where they're like, no, I think that this would be an interesting album to talk about, not necessarily that it's mm-hmm. their favorite. And um you know, I, th- sometimes you just need to go back to the tried and trues, right? And damn the torpedoes is one of those tried and truths. Yep. And I think that if if I've taken away taken away anything from my a Petty a day um, uh, rabbit hole is that I really love this record like I I've always said that that you know wildflowers and full moon fever were my number one and number two and I'm rethinking that I think that I I think that this this is... It's a different record than Wildflowers, but I think that I like this record better than I like Wildflowers. Wow. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, I like Wildflowers better, but I understand I think what you're saying. And I think the roots are here in some of the songs that I don't even love on this album. I think there's some roots here for Wildflowers. Um, that <laughs> you must have the,
3: read my notes.
2: That, oh, really? Yeah. Because I think there's some stuff that develops. Yes. Yes. develops into that. And and I feel like there's some raw parts of what becomes that later, um, but I do think this is a this is a really great album. And it's a really great album in a way. Um, th- this one, the top four for me, like time scored them, and I disagree sometimes with albums where time scores them as the top four, but I just don't with this one, and I, I think it is kind of a hallmark of Tom Petty, like the the stuff that he does and the heartbreakers do their stuff sort of rises out of their albums pretty well and become staples of their live shows. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to just sort of dive into the, the set list FM numbers on this one. I haven't really done that much before. Mm. And this is the second most played album in all of their, uh, all their shows. This is the second most represented album uh, behind their, their self-titled debut with the exception of the top category is covers because everything under Tom, is considered a cover, yeah, um, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's all listed as covers. Uh, but even so, the top two songs that they play all time are off of the self titled, and then off of this album. Um, by and and by quite a large n- margin, it's it's not even that close. So, could you adjust the set list if you were to go?
0: Well, I want to know what the most popular songs have been since like nineteen
2: ninety on. Because I don't it, know. I don't know if I could. I yeah. don't know. I, I don't know how to do that because I, I really just kind of stumbled on this this function because I hadn't I hadn't dived that deep into setlist uh, for trying to find you know the the album stats and stuff and so I haven't gone that far with it. Um, but the number one and number two are pretty overwhelmingly huge in terms of mm-hmm. how much they've been played at shows, and we'll get yeah. there as we discuss it. I, I think the whole thing with Petty too. I think it's a fascinating career. Um, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked about, we've teased the fact that we were going to do wildflowers at some point. I still really would love to do that album. But, um, again, it's just, it's interesting that that's an, that's a solo album. Uh, yeah. and yeah. he does a couple of these solo albums, but not in the way that other artists, I guess Springsteen, Springsteen might be the best example of somebody that just sort of drifted in and out. And he does E street and then he does his solo stuff and then they play whatever at their shows. Right. This is another example of that where it doesn't seem to really be like a, I need to go do my own thing and I want to be a solo artist and I want to be taken as a solo artist. It's just like he goes and he does a couple of really great solo albums, but he never plays solo shows. He, I can, I can only find two instances where it looks like he's playing like truly solo sets. And those are at bridge schools in like 86 and 94, where I think the Heartbreakers were were also doing a full set. So, he doesn't perform as a solo musician, even. He just goes and does an album, and then they kind of become Heartbreaker songs.
3: And that's funny because when we had uh, G Love on the Tune Styles podcast, I know he was on Records Revisited as well. We talked about, because one of the questions I had for him was, how do you decide what's a G Love album and what's G Love and Special Sauce? And he just flat out said, honestly, it's just whatever I felt like at the album. The players are a lot, you know, they, a lot of the guys from special sauce, the two guys played on some of his solo albums and he just decided to name it G love at the end of the day. There was no rhyme or reason to it, which I thought was interesting because it almost seemed calculated, but it wasn't at all. And I thought that was really fascinating. Well, that seems to be the case with
2: petty too. I mean, it's the full moon fever is coming out. I think of the, of the Traveling Wilbury sessions, and it's Jeff Lynn producing it. Looks like they just kind of dive in, and then he pulls in, you know, Mike Campbell and Benmont, you know, as session musicians on it. Um, and then later when he does, um, I'm pretty sure Wildflowers is the one that Rick Rubin produced. That was Rick Rubin, yeah. And, and he said it was just he and Rick talking about it, and they just didn't want to be tied to this five guy, five instrument, five band member thing they just want to do some other stuff. So it wasn't a calculated thing, but it looks like it, it caused a tiny bit of friction for a short bit. Um, and then maybe a little bit more friction with, um, uh, with the, the drummer. Um, I'm blanking. Yeah. I was just going to say that Stan, Stan. Yeah. I, I I felt
0: like the, the first Tom Petty solo record was Petty's way of, of distancing himself from Stan. (laughs)
2: And maybe I'm maybe I'm completely It for, might be. For, he didn't play on it. And it's it's nope, five years play it's it. five years before his departure, so it could yeah. have been. But I know that I know that uh I'm pretty sure I read that Benmont and, and Blair both had some issues with it at first as well, and then seemed to roll with it. Whereas Stan straight out like said that he didn't like playing the songs live because he felt like he was in a cover band all of a sudden. Which is so weird because when you hear them, when you you go to a show and you hear them, they just you don't always even remember what's Tom Petty and what's a Tom Petty and the heartbreaker song. They all right. just became heartbreaker songs because again, he never really did something that was so aesthetically different. Um,
3: I was going to, I was just going to say uh, into the great wide open really to me, oh, while I believe it or not, I'm probably going to be one of the lone guns here that think this, but I enjoy Into the Great Wide Open as an album more than I do with Full Moon, more than I do Full Moon Fever. Mm. Uh, and that's a real tough one for me to say, but I feel like Jeff Lynn and Tom Petty were getting their feet wet with Full Moon Fever. And I feel like they really hit their stride. And there's some fantastic songs hidden deep oh, yeah. within Into the Great Wide Open, like King's Highway, Two, uh, two Gunslingers, All or Nothing. These are songs that rarely make it in concert maybe king's highway would be the exception there but songs that could have very easily been hits even in the 90s when tom petty might not have been in favor as much as he was you know 10 years ago in the 80s
2: i 100 right. agree with you on uh i would place great uh, great white open over full moon fever too and i think for the same reason i i absolutely think that that happened i think they got their stride then they had the whole band in uh which isn't to say full Moon." Fever isn't great and doesn't have some absolutely iconic things on it. But uh, I think Into the great wide open, I, I prefer as an album for sure. Wayne, where does uh, damn, the torpedo stack up for you?
1: As I, it's top 20. I, this album is so tight. Like it's, it's coiled up. It could, be, it could be, it's a, it's a hazard. I mean, nine songs, four of them, everybody in the world knows. And mm-hmm. the other five are probably, if they were maybe uh, scattered through the first two albums could have been singles. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is is just
4: notes.
0: (laughs) 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 So, so is this your favorite Petty record
1: then? Oh yeah, this, I mean, like I said, this is my favorite Petty record. This is my, this is one of my favorite records. Like I listening to it for the last couple of weeks is just been a joy. I ended up and I had watched that uh, classic album episode on amazon i watched it again last night and it was just as i was still just as mesmerized and i know hd makes it so hard to believe that tom petty is gone yeah it's just like i've watched that and echoes in the canyon and he just 1080p just brings him to life and you just can't it's one of the people who've who've gone that i can't quite wrap my head around it still seems like he's out there it's funny you say that i'm still
3: hurting from that one
2: Every time, every time you don't know how it feels, come on, I, I, I choke up every single time it comes on, uh, either on a playlist or serious or whatever. I still get choked up, and I'm the same with you. I can't still wrap my head around, uh, you know that i that idea that he's gone it doesn't make sense. It didn't. It happened like weirdly quick. I made a real mistake. Um, in his last show was September 25th. Um, at the, the Hollywood Bowl. That was the last show we played, which is the day after my birthday. And I, I wanted to go to it, but our client had rescheduled a, uh, a dinner. We kept trying to get a dinner with this client, and they rescheduled it for that night. And so I was like, oh, I'll just, I won't just, I will go. I'll go to this client dinner because it was hard to get the client dinner scheduled. And um, we were sitting there at the dinner, and I told them. I was like, yeah, I was kind of thinking about bailing on this, so I'd go to the concert. And they said, well, we should have just done that. And and we kind of laughed about it and said, well, next time they play, we'll go do that. And, you know, we were mm-hmm. six blocks away eating dinner. And then he was just, he was gone fairly soon after it. And it was just yeah. stunning. And I was like, ah, I, you know, I screwed that up. I should have been there. Because even if, even if he had in the past, he was kind of sounded like he was winding down and, and maybe wasn't going to tour. I mean, at some point they would have, I'm guessing, but. Yeah, I'm kicking
0: myself. I, um, so he was, he was playing in Tampa, I had tickets to go see Eric Church in Jacksonville the night before. Nice, nice, the and chief. and uh, and uh, and I love Eric Church.
3: Me too. Me too. But but yeah. it
0: was one of those things where it's like I can't justify spending, you know, two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars to four hundred dollars if if I took the wife to to see Petty as well. So we only did the Eric Church and it wasn't too long after that you know tom tom
2: passed away and then i'm like
5: oh dang it you know
2: i did get the yeah. chance to take my kids uh all three of my kids we, we went to the forum and saw them very with, good. uh, uh winwood open forum and it was uh it was awesome uh my family's all uh petty fans and um it's uh, cool
3: yeah, yeah the few the few times i got to see tom petty the first time was with uh my now wife one of our first weekends away uh i swear to god i'm not making this up we went to two concerts and this is hand to god may i be struck by lightning the first night it was faster pussycat winger cinderella and poison (laughs) nice and the second night was the brian setzer trio hello it was basically the stray cats and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and it was amazing. It was the last DJ tour. Right. And then um, fast forward 10 years later, uh, my father and I went to go see him with My Morning Jacket opening, and uh, they did a version of Learning to Fly at that show, which is the version that's you hear on the live anthology, which is basically a stripped-down oh. ballad version that, uh, Jeff, you had mentioned when you hear um, uh, You Don't Know How It Feels, It Makes You Well Up. I swear to you, every time I hear the version of Learning to Fly from the Live Anthology with Stevie Nicks singing background vocals, I instantly have goosebumps from head to toe and at the ending when the whole crowd is singing along, I get a lump in my throat like you would not believe because it's just so powerful, such a and it's so simplistically beautiful that song. Yeah. It's it's the, you know, it's the reason why when my band did a quarantine video, we chose that song to do because it's just such a fantastic song. When you saw him on the last DJ,
2: was he doing out there? Did he do like where he was playing it back to back the whole album or was it just the tour?
3: This was just the tour. Oh, I, okay. I know he, he closed with uh, Gloria by uh, I'm going to say Van Morrison. But yeah. um, was yeah. it th- them? Yeah. We
2: yeah, we, we, them. we Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we saw him and I saw him in L.A. where he he played the whole album, like front to back with with an orchestra and John Brion was the one was conducting and oh, wow. and the arrangements and, uh, and then he played stuff after
4: as well.
3: Yeah, a- as an album, the last DJ kind of ranks a little lower on my list. I felt like Echo, like there's a lot of stuff surrounding it that are so good. It was kind of hard for that album to be great. Um, you know, I mean, and then there's even some of the stuff that never made it to an album in that era. One of my favorite Tom Petty songs, which I don't know if you'll like Ben, cause it is a little bluesy, but sweet William, um, man, that one is a scorcher.
0: All right. Um, so we, we talked about the classic albums um, episode. Yeah, definitely go check that out. I think we'll, we'll probably Wayne. I watched it as well. Finally. You told me to. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think we'll probably bring a little bit of that. I did want to bring some of the Bio info. So this is their third studio album. It was released in October of 1979. It was released by Backstreet Records, which was distributed by MCA. And if you watch the the classic albums, you kind of get a little taste of, He was in a a little bit of a pissing war with with MCA at that point. Even declared bankruptcy at one point. Um, And this record almost didn't come out because of that whole pissing match that he had with with the label. So um, one of the things on the the episode. So Jimmy Iovine, who co-produced this, uh, mentioned the importance of third albums. So he mentioned Born to Run was Bruce's third. He brought up Patti Smith's Easter as being important to her as well. I think he just wanted to get credit for that one because, you know,
1: because the night was was. listing the third albums that he had done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, because the night was on that third record and I don't know, I don't know if Patti's legacy would have been preserved had Easter not been as um as good as it was cuz anyways i, I listened to radio ethiopia a couple uh i guess yesterday and um uh not as well received as horses in easter but that's that's a whole other podcast episode um shelly Yakis was the engineer on this record to give another Podcast: a little bit of shout out. So the hustle with John Lamoureux, he did an episode with Shelly, fantastic interview. And Shelly is just responsible for so many great records. Um, so definitely go check that out. Um, some other takeaways from that classic records episode, and you guys can chime in here on, on some of these. Uh, Shelly told Stan Lynch that his, drum, his drums were punk ass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they went shopping for drums
1: Yeah, first day
0: Yeah um, Ben Mont said that they did so many takes I- of some of the songs that uh, the songs that ended up on the record were full takes and some songs were a ton of takes including Here Comes My Girl and Refugee Any Any other takeaways from that that uh, oh, classic album there was
1: there was a i mean there was so much that they 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 ran across but like i say the the fight one of the things i thought was interesting is they were talking about all of the bands that they opened up for and at one point uh they just tom Petty's like we're not we're not opening up for anybody anymore um no matter what, how small the club is where we have to play we're not we're not going to open up for anybody anymore and he said it it changed it changed everything
2: and this, a lot of this was recorded at that Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, the one that uh, Dave Grohl did a documentary about. That, I was about to uh, say,
3: don't forget that one.
2: Yeah, that um, you know a lot of a lot of people recorded at Johnny Cash, Neil Young, Fleetwood Mac, um, Nirvana, yeah. Rick Springfield, Rick Springfield. Yep. <laughs> um, I I saw. I, that's funny because I actually saw one of the concerts they did, the Sound City Players, and Rick Springfield was one of the. One of the acts, so I got to see Rick nice. Springfield and Stevie Nicks, and yeah, it was. It was I cool.
3: think that's how the Petty Nicks thing all kind of came together because they were all yeah. recording simultaneously at. uh I think Tusk and Damn the torpedoes were those the two that were recording yeah, at the same, same time. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: Um. All right. So we talk about the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Any guesses where this stacks up?
1: Three fifteen.
0: Oh, you cheated! You, you knew I was <laughs> going to bring this up. How many other petty records are on the on that five hundred greatest?
3: At least another two, right? I was about to say you better say two or three. It better, be,
2: yeah, at least two, <laughs> maybe three. None? No? Are you serious? That's it.
1: This Damn is it. the Torpedoes only one on this whole list in the question. One. Again.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. stupid.
3: How many ninja sex party or whatever it's called <laughs> <laughs> albums are on there? <laughs> six. There's
1: six of them. All of
3: them. That's that's just, a, it's just a stupid list. That's a stupid list.
0: Well, all right. So so let me let me let me tell oh, you, you you're the, gonna run down them it, again,
2: aren't you? It's just gonna piss I me
0: am, off. I am. I, I like to do this because I, I like to see people's reactions. All right, three fourteen, <laughs> the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Yeah. ridiculous 313 mtv unplugged in new york nirvana that's
2: a great album
3: not better than Dan not the torpedoes not better than to- the Torpedo. but again i'm not
2: gonna get i'm gonna I'm not gonna pick nits too hard on placement uh yeah. you know it's a great I, I don't have any problem with inclusion around there on the list yeah yeah all right, all right. nothing shocking 312
1: i don't think it's better it's good
0: no 311 I don't and I didn't even look to see who the various artists is but it's the Sun Records collection.
2: Uh, those those shouldn't be on there. No. Yeah, that's it's not, not an album, that's a comp. Yeah, absolutely not. Great, The fact that they do greatest hits and collections just invalidates the entire list and I want it
0: thrown absolutely.
1: out. Absolutely.
2: All right, so here <laughs> here and here's where I'm going to start pissing you off, all
3: right? Ready? Start.
1: Yeah, just, what do you uh, mean I start? got I
3: got
2: I got on here pissed <laughs> off.
3: <laughs> 310 poisons flesh and blood. Oh no, <laughs>
2: no. Nope, nope. Uh
0: but there is blood in the in the title. It's blood sugar sex magic. Uh, uh
2: that doesn't yeah, that's not that it shouldn't be that high.
3: I I understand it being on the
2: list though. It can be on the list. I, I'm fine. It's a, it's a it's a very influential album, but if you're telling me that blood sugar sex magic is that high on the list and there's one Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album on the entire list, it's bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. a it's a weird yeah. Well, the whole list and the question.
2: Yeah. 309 is Willie
0: and the Poor Boys by CCR. 308 Songs for Swingin' Lovers by Frank Sinatra. 307 is Hard Days Night by the Beatles. 306 Beck's Odelay 305 Car Wheels on a Gravel Road by Lucinda Williams and Great 304 album. is Jeff Buckley's Grace
2: great album there's a lot of good there's a lot of great albums up in in that mix though there's a lot of great albums sure but and it's hard to rank them all but the fact that there's no other there's no other petty or petty and the heartbreakers album in the top 500 other than this one is just weird that's just a yeah that shows that they they probably get dismissed as being somehow too commercial or rock or not deep enough or whatever you know yeah. that's really what that probably is it's just not they're just not deep enough or so
0: let's let's talk billboard so this was not a number one hit. It it peaked at number two for seven weeks. You guys, know what kept it
2: out of the number one spot? Michael Jackson, uh, the Wall. Pink Floyd's the Wall. Pink Floyd's the Wall. Yeah, Tom has a great. Uh, he has a great quote about it too. He's like, I uh, I love Pink Floyd, but not that year. <laughs>
4: right.
2: <laughs> right.
0: And then we'll t- we'll talk about the uh, the singles chart because there were there were a couple big big uh big singles off of this um all right so i think we've all alluded to the various members of the band so of course tom's on lead vocals harmonica rhythm guitar mike campbell of course is the man behind the guitars ben montench keyboards ron blair's the bass guitarist and then stan lynch drums um and then um we'll we'll get to
2: Jim Keltner's percussion on refugee (laughs) and uh, Donald Duck Dunn. Yes. Yeah. On, uh, what does he get on? Yep.
0: Yeah. You tell me. All right. So let's, let's do track by track. So, um, as a reminder, our top song is going to get nine points. Next favorite song, eight points on down to lowest score of one. So let's kick this off. Here is refugee. Jim Keltner on the shakers (laughs) and uh, in the classic albums episode, Tom said, Jim always seemed to be in the hall. So read into that comment. However you
1: want. Well, and I like how he just like Jim Keltner just comes in and goes, you know what this track needs? A shaker. (laughs) It's like I mean, that how, uh, how surreal is that? Got to be Jim Keltner. One of the great drummers just walks in and goes, you know what you need here? You need a shaker young man. That's what you need.
2: Yeah. 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 Just a, that's just a great session musician. He's going to figure out how to get himself on every session. That's, <laughs> that's what you're probably going to hustle. As <laughs> yeah, a session, yeah, yeah. session guy, you those know, those aren't
1: going to pay themselves.
2: Right. No. All right. Uh, what do you guys
0: have to say about Refugee?
3: You know, kicking the album off is something that I would like to call a simple but very memorable opening drum roll. As soon as you hear it, you know it's Refugee instantly, but it's not something like, over the mountain by Ozzy it's not a lot of flash it's just a simple you know meat and potatoes opening to a song and somebody I was actually having a conversation with once actually said to me I I don't see the whole Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers thing anybody can write a Tom Petty song and my response was instantly then why aren't they because if it was that easy, why is he the only one that can write a like you know? And I I felt that opening drum fill as simple as it is, just dot, da, da 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 boom. You instantly know what you're going into, and it it just grabs you. And Refugee is a song for me is neck and neck with Running Down a Dream from Full from Full Moon Fever for being Petty's most, and I'm going to use quote marks in the air, but his like most rocking. Hit song. And then on top of that, this one holds a special place in my heart because when I was really young, three and four years old, my parents were trying to get me into music and they gave me a record called Chipmunk Punk by Alvin and the Chipmunks. And the first song on it was Refugee. And as I played that album endlessly on my little Fisher Price turntable, my father took the time as he was indoctrinating me into music and said, oh, you like that song? Come in here. Come in the living room. Let me put on the original for you. And that's how I kind of got introduced into Tom Petty. So very good. something that I'm doing with this record, because it's such a hard album to score, is I'm also picking out my favorite line of lyric in each song. Okay. Just the, the ones that stick out to me, because this album's got a ton of them. And on this song, it's tell me why you want to lay there and revel in your Abandon." Just a so yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so you you mentioned that it's the it's the drum that that bring that you know in the intro of the song that that stand out for you. I think it's the riff.
1: Oh yeah. for that me. that riff is so dirty. That is mm-hmm. that's one of the best. And I the thing that made me r- realize and think about is how underrated Mike Campbell is. And they and in that documentary they actually. Uh, alluded to uh, George Harrison, who I agree, who is, is right in those same lines. Like Mike Campbell, have listened to his solos. He never does anything to outshine the song. It's all about, like they, they, the way they put it, was serving the song. When Mike Campbell plays, because he's a, he's, he's a rock god. He's, he is an incredible guitar player, but he never does anything to bring the spotlight away from the song.
2: This is just an enduring uh, heartbreakers classic. Period. It's a staple of the live shows. It's a great launch to the album. Um, it's rare to me that my top score would lead off of an album, and, and you know, this had a challenge for my second place song briefly, but it always came back to this one for me. Clearly, the concert set list bear out the position of the song on the album. It was played in concert by. Uh, uh, Tom Payne and the Heartbreakers more than any other song, uh, with the exclusion of one, seven hundred and twenty-eight times they played this in in concert. This is the one that, like, if you didn't see it in concert, it was a that was a a rarity. Um, the next highest on this album is even the losers at two thirty-four. Here comes my girl two sixteen. Don't do me like that at two twelve. Like five hundred times fewer the other big songs on this album got played in concert than this one. Uh, so i'll give you a guess Does anybody have a guess what the what the um number one uh most played song in concert by them would be
3: american girl
2: yeah yeah over yeah. a thousand right no it's not that much more it's 765 it's oh really it's about yeah wow. it's, it's only about that's why i'm saying it's up there with american girl it's it's a, it's about f- uh, 48 50 50 times fewer Uh, 40 times fewer is what it is uh, than American Girl. Um, Campbell said it was a really hard song to record and get right. They did hundreds of takes. Uh, They really seemed to have a problem getting it down. And he actually took a couple days off and left so he could come back with his head clear. And here's a comment that I'm just going to make over and over again. You guys talk about Mike Campbell. I love him. Um, He is underrated. However the one I'm going to keep saying over and over again is like Benmont's organ on this is so good. This is, that's a, -hmm. I'm going to keep on almost every song. I'm a huge, huge fan of Benmont tench. The way
1: they they work it together with the guitar is even, even better. I mean, it really, it's, I mean, it's right up there. The only, the only close comparison would be like Greg Hawks and Elliot Easton, like the way they go back and forth. Is it's like it's it's got to be something spiritual. They got to be connected inside. And I'm
2: not always a huge, huge organ or keys guys. I pr- I tend to prefer guitar, but b- but that's because it does exactly I think Wayne what you were just saying is sometimes it feels like it's challenging or it doesn't mesh well. It's like we've got a, a an organ player or keys player and we've got a guitar player and we just have to make them fit. These guys are in sync with each other. I mean, it's just absolutely, and the rhythm of the lyric delivery in this is, is, uh, it just kind of mesmerizes. So, um, it's also worth listening to the alt take on the deluxe edition of this. Yeah. Um, it includes like some studio chatter, which is interesting. It's, it's, it's a really interesting take because it's not nearly as ferocious, but it's got this real cool darker groove. Um, uh, no backing vocals.
0: Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, one of the thing one of the takeaways again from that classic albums is even though it took them a lot of takes to get it all right, when they figured out what the riffs were going to be, what the drums were going to be, and what the lyrics were going to be, they said that the whole thing came together in like 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, lyrically, I think he said he wrote the the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, and that was like I say I loved hearing the story about from Mike Campbell on whole on how the whole musically I can I love those guitar players talking about how I was listening to this Albert King, Oh, pretty woman song. And, uh, yep. just stole You know, I just started playing those, the, the chords out of that key. And then, uh, they just starts doing this little riff over the top of it. It, it that just, I love stories like that.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So s- this was the second single from the record. It peaked at number 15 which when I'm thinking about that, it it wasn't even a top 10 hit. Are you kidding me? So anyways, um, anything else on refugee? Should we get some scores on this? Brian, what's your score?
3: Oh, this one, I I had to give a nine.
0: Okay. Jeff, this is my nine as well. Wayne,
1: a five. And I will say this, this is probably the first petty song I ever (laughs) remember hearing. Um, and so there is something that there is maybe something to that also and i only say this cuz it's going to sound very pretentious but being a refugee is not an easy thing but and I, and that's not necessarily i'm not that that guy but once that cracks your mind and you actually go into that place where you think well being a refugee i mean i work with a lot of cambodians and some older guys will tell you that being a refugee is not is nothing to sing a rock song about it, and I don't. I know that he put it from a perspective of um, there's like teenage angst and love in it, and I get it, and I do love the song. I, I love this whole album, but once that cracks in your mind, and you're like, being a refugee is not actually probably not a not a fun thing. Then it just digs at you, and you and, and I and I lowered it a little bit.
0: You guys realize that Wayne overthinks every <laughs> single song. On the, on,
2: but, but I actually on like, I like the hyperbole that he throws in here to this girl. You know, he he's talking about like how much she must've been. Oh, somebody must've kicked you away. You must've been kidnapped, tied up, taken away, held yeah. for ransom. That's how she's reacting to him. She's reacting that that to that. Free. Free. That's
1: my favorite. free. Yeah. Favorite
2: and it's, it's, yeah. it's basically this hyperbole of a conversation between the yeah. guy and a girl. And she's, She's, you know, I don't know. She's just not, you know, opening up emotionally or whatever, she's but mostly, you
1: know. she could be over, you know, it could be a way of, I, I always take it as a way of kind of telling her that she's overreacting, like, almost like, you know what, you're not a refugee. People do have it rougher than you. You know,
2: that's exactly it. There's yeah. a lot of other lovers been hurt, you know, uh, just telling yeah, you, once that
1: once crack happens and it, it gets <laughs> into it, you, you can't get it out.
2: Well, whatever you have to do to sleep at night for scoring That's this at right. five. Uh, as, long <laughs> crazy. as long as
1: I <laughs> said before, four of these songs everybody in the world knows or, or, or has heard, and the other five, I bet if we looked at the list of top-selling albums in 1979, I bet there's guys who sold a million records that year that, don't ha- that wish they wrote one of these five songs on the bottom half of this. Yeah. I mean, Kansas yeah. hasn't written any songs as good as, as good as the lower five on this record foreigner i would say is probably right there too
2: hey easy <laughs>
0: don't,
1: don't, easy don't
2: disparage I, lou and mick and and i i know someone who plays in foreigner now so yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i didn't give you my score so this is my seven all right uh next song is here comes my girl it just
5: seems so useless to have to work so hard and nothing ever really seemed to come from it You I me.
0: This was the third single from the album, peaked at number fifty nine. Uh, and this was the song that they played for their buddies who came by yeah, the studio. That was a great. This, that was a the,
1: great story. If, if someone would come by and they wanted to make it sh- make it sound like show them how well things were going, they would pull this song out.
0: Right, yeah. and this was. I so I'll give you some some history. This is the first Petty song I remembered hearing on the radio, listening to KISW, The Rock Station when I was like 11. This is the one
2: that I remembered first. So, I think I was five when this came out because you're substantially older than I am. um, Oh, shut the hell
5: up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The first Petty song that I remember registering was um, Don't Come Around Here No More. It was MTV and it was uh, that crazy music video and I was hooked. I was like, this dude... I need to find out more, more about this, and then I started realizing I had heard some of the other things that my mom would play and stuff, and, and started to connect the two. Yeah. Um,
0: so I'm just going to throw out my 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 score right now, so so you get an idea of where I'm coming from. This is my favorite song, um, and it would definitely be in my top five, maybe even my top three Petty songs of all time. I just love everything about this song. Uh, I love the lyrics uh, especially when he the the part where and then she licks me in the eye and says we're gonna last forever and man you know I can't begin to doubt it um
2: it's just and then they lasted till like 1997 yeah. or eight or right, yeah, right I've now. heard
1: I've heard that at least four times in my life so <laughs> but I will say like I said I agree and I thought this would be my top song. Um, and in a lot, it, it was very, very close, I guess. But the chorus always like gives me goosebumps. I mean, it just and that, that when he says, I could tell the whole wide world to shove it. I mean, you can just, you, anybody who's, who's loved a girl or anybody can, can relate to that, that feeling. And it's always felt like a companion piece to American Girl. It always, I've always, I've always linked yep. them in my mind.
2: The chorus is inspired by the birds. That's what Petty said.
3: Oh, you could definitely hear that. Yeah, yeah.
2: totally hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Jeff, what else you got on this?
2: I don't have much else on it. Um, It's just a great ode to the influence of someone else in your life. The way that all this crap can happen, and there's this one other yin to that yang, and it, it can brighten everything else up. And that's how you feel when you have that sort of love. You know, when you've got whatever that is, That idea that, you know, the rest of the world can go away at that moment because here comes, here comes my girl, the guy, the person, whatever it is, you know, that brings that influence in in your life is such a great ode to the influence of someone else.
3: Yeah. Brian. All right. Now, this, this one I thought was, I've always thought this song was great and this is something I was complaining about on Twitter last night it's hard when you like every song on an album to really go in and try to nitpick of why what would make it stand above another one and I'm glad that an album is this hard because that means it's that that fulfilling to listen to I always since I first heard this album through I always raise an eyebrow at the opening drum beat because that same role if you listen back to refugee it's bot is Refugee, and then Here Comes My Girl, it's and it goes into into the song. So as I listened to it as a kid, I actually thought Refugee was starting all over again. Uh Uh, And then it would go into this different song. Maybe I'm way off on that. I'm not a drummer, but it always gave me that same feel. Now, the song was written the same week as Refugee, so that could have literally been how they were just starting the songs in from a four count. Who knows? But the thing I love about the song the most is it really stands out from other Tom Petty songs based on his talking during the verses. And he's just kind of like he's sitting down like we are chatting, but he's just doing it so eloquently. And my favorite line from the song comes from that part where he says, I ain't really sure, but it seems I remember the good times were just a little bit more in focus.
1: Yeah, he had a great story. I guess he had the chord progressions of, for this, but he couldn't get the melody. So he, he created this character in his mind and he just started talking through it until until it came to him. And like I say, it's stories like that. Also, Jimmy Iovine, they played Refugee and Here Comes My Girl for him. And he said, we don't even need any other songs. We we got enough for a record. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that, that story about how he just, he just creates his character in his mind and then he just starts talking the lyrics until the melody till the melody develops it's great just great yeah and the
3: the passion you hear in his voice when he's getting right before the chorus and he's almost like he's pretty much screaming like you could just feel it and then it explodes into this soaring chorus it's just such a you know it's so it goes from one extreme to the other and it works so well
2: it's funny that you bring up the drums because I do. I think that this is a band where the drumming kind of gets outshined for me in a, in a lot of ways because you know the rest of the music is so good that sometimes the drums. It's not that they never stand out or there aren't any great percussive percussive songs. There definitely are, but they they rarely to me feel like they're that inventive. I guess
3: I could definitely agree with that, and it's just something where the the drummer. Uh, I'm trying to think on this album. uh, uh, I'm literally having a brain lunch. lunch. Yes. He knew where to sit in the song. He didn't overplay it. Can you picture these songs with somebody like a, I know I'm just going to pull out of a hat, like a Neil Peart. Right. Right. Like just kind of overplaying the song. Not that he does it in rush. Please let me (laughs) state that in rush. He's not overplaying, but if somebody were to do fills like that in a Tom Petty song, it would literally be like a needle scratching across the record. It just wouldn't fit. And that was something that was so wonderful about the heartbreakers. Everybody knew exactly their role and they all fit perfectly into this mold every time they played together and they just found each other's spots and where they sat in the songs. And that progresses all the way through hypnotic eye.
2: Well, and that's, that's one of the things that Tom talks about, about Lynch. He talks about how phenomenally in tune, with him, he was, especially when they were playing live, like that he would get like, he, I feel like he said, even like little shoulder twitches and he'd be right on him. He just, he was, he said he was so good on stage in terms of, uh, you know, if Tom wanted to lead something somewhere else, he just, he was always focused on him and, and he could accent him on the drums. And so he was really good at that. And he wasn't doing like, it wasn't a bunch of solos. It wasn't a bunch of fills. It wasn't that sort of stuff. It was, it was just really, solid, uh, you know, good band type work, but not, not particularly inventive as a, as a, as drums go. And you can say the same thing about Ringo.
1: <laughs> well, I people know, have, yeah. people have, Sam, Sam was, was either fired or quit during this, during the sessions for this. No, he, he quit in 94. Yeah. Well, during, I don't know, during the sessions, one. during the sessions that oh. he, he, he quit or was fired he because he clashed with jimmy iovine from the beginning and they brought in other drummers and like ben Tench was saying none of it it didn't sound right and they they didn't use any anything from anybody else and they they got him back in there it just didn't work without him.
0: stan took a couple weeks off is really (laughs) what, what they alluded to all right uh this is my top score wayne
1: eight
2: jeff uh six
3: brian Begrudgingly, this one ended up with a five for me, but it's in no way, shape, or form a dig on the song.
0: Nope. Get that. All right. Next song Even the Losers.
1: I, just, I I love so much about this song. I love I love the nostalgia, the you know the you know teenage kids smoking on the roof, you know staring at the sky, throwing rocks off of an overpass, and then this this incredible, you know, like I've embraced my like loser high school, you know, uh, character. I, I'm not it doesn't doesn't shame me anymore. So being you know coming from that and this this it's just an anthem for, you know, to never, you know, like a a broke clock is right twice a day. Like just wait for your chance.
0: Yeah. And the big line of even the losers get lucky sometimes Tom said he was just kind of scatting the chorus and that get lucky sometime just kind of came out. And I couldn't even think would this song be the same if there was a different line than that? Like even the losers, something, yeah. something, something. It's, something, it's something. perfect.
1: And I love that, you know, uh, Mike Campbell's talking about the guitar solo, trying to work out a guitar solo. Nothing was working. And him and Tom Petty are talking, and he says, what would Chuck Berry do? And so he starts playing those double stops. And it just, yep. the whole thing, it's perfection. And if, yeah, if one single word was changed, it wouldn't, it, it would be missing something. And the, like I say, the birds' influence, you can really hear in that opening intro. On the record, there's about 20 seconds of, nonsense. I, I don't get like the single version. They, they go right into that, that real birds like uh, guitar intro. And then just, they just rip out one of the best songs ever.
3: Well, Wayne, it's funny that you mentioned that story about Chuck Berry because in my notes, I have five letters WWCBD, what would <laughs> Chuck Berry do? And I literally was going to talk about that and you beat me to the punch. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's a really awesome story of how he just, and you listen to that solo after you hear that story oh, yeah. and you're like, that's exactly what he did. He just channeled Chuck Berry and it fits so well. In a song that it doesn't necessarily sound like a Chuck Berry song, but by using that style of playing in it, it just brought it to the next level. And he repeats that underneath the chorus towards the end of the song. And he kind of brings it full circle from the guitar solo, which was really awesome as well.
2: Yeah. It's, not, it's not hard to imagine that Tom Petty was not the leader of the cool pack in, like, junior <laughs> high or high school. You look at yeah, him, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he looks like a very normal guy, you know? I mean, he looks like a guy who probably, you know, there's there's stories written about how his dad didn't, you know, was really hard to deal with and was abusive because his he didn't, his kid was too soft-spoken and into arts and all that sort of stuff as well. This one kind of reminds me a little bit of um, that notion a little. It's a softer version of uh, the notion in Benfold. It's Fives, it's one angry dwarf, and two hundred solemn faces for me. It's that idea of yeah, I wasn't cool in school, and 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 you know, then I was, and then now I'm a little bit bigger, and and maybe you'd pay a little bit more attention to me now. Uh, there's that that sort of element to it. Um, it kind of revolves around like sort of a one night stand is essentially what it is that he had mm-hmm. with someone who. He had a crush on in junior high and she didn't like him. And even after the one night, she was like, yeah, it's just a one night thing. So even the losers get lucky sometimes, but not Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, And again, my note again on this one, all caps, three exclamation marks is Benmont. Benmont. It's just absolutely uh, the the organ in this again is just so good.
0: Uh, I was just going to say, can you guys believe that this was not released as a single?
1: Yeah, I cannot believe that, because this was on rock radio I, all the time. I was, I was just
3: going to say, if it wasn't released as a single, radio stations picked it up regardless, because I vividly remember this on the radio sure. growing up.
0: Yeah, the, the album-oriented rock definitely, for sure, played this, but not as a single not-to-top-40 stations. Which, wow. Yeah, just boggles my mind, but different different time back then. All right, uh, let's get some scores on Even the Losers. Wayne? Nine. Jeff, eight. Brian, eight. And I'm also an eight. And next song is "Shadow of a Doubt" in parentheses, Wayne Fugate. (laughs) Oh, I mean, uh, a complex kid. This is the song that I I hear Dylan references most prominently. Oh yeah, I guess this was the song. So going back to what you were saying, Wayne, I think that this was the song that essentially got Stan fired from the band for a few weeks because Jimmy told the band that they couldn't find their sound on this on this particular song, and he says, "You guys are going to sound like the Motels yeah. on this
4: record." yeah
0: um and uh the harmonies that is tom yeah. tom singing his own harmonies on this and you can hear tom's harmonies i think throughout the record and it's really not until Howie joins the band um that the other members get a little more than just the simple harmonies right i think that that was next record ron blair quit the band next record Throwing that out, no, anyone? I
1: don't know. Yeah, I didn't. Okay.
0: Obviously, um Jeff only cares about Benmont. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's ben, not unless, it's, about unless it's a No, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's it's Benmont and Mike Campbell and Tom Petty are you know <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> primary concerns here. Um, All right, this one well, I
3: will this, say this. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Sorry, uh, this one to me. I, I got to be honest. There's three tiers of songs on this album for me. There's to me, there's four that are just absolute classics. That are there are two that I feel like are kind of lost gems, and there's two that I just I don't I don't love. Um, they feel a tad generic to me. They feel uh, Petty's voice to me is the only thing that's kind of a hallmark on this song that tips it off as a heartbreaker song to me, and it's a little repetitive. Um, it just it just doesn't this one doesn't do a lot for me.
1: But uh, what I loved about this one was the lyrics because like I do love I did like the, the lyrics I like the, the in lyrics in this. It just has some, just like I love how he changes the the, the lead up to the punchline every time. Whether it's you know it's hard to figure out, and uh, what's one of them's I can't to live without. So he changes that that lead up to the punchline every time. But then that 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 verse about she when she dreams, she and speaks when in French. she's
5: dreaming, yeah. Sometimes
1: I just, I, she sings in yeah. French. And I agree, how musically, because there's a couple of songs on here I think very have a very like Southern California new wave kind of feel. This was 79 in LA. So that, that scene's just around the corner. And I, I get some of that in, in a couple of the songs. And I do think that musically it does sound like some other stuff, but I just really separated this one. The lyrics, I think he just, there's something about the lyrics and the way he, the way he does, you know, way he spins this tale and they're all so complex. I like the lyrics
2: a lot too. I just don't feel like they fit the music mostly except for the part that Ben just badly sang. Um, <laughs> I was
3: I was just gonna jump in and say I don't even have to say my favorite line from the song now because you yeah. guys sang it for me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that's the one
2: part to me that like fits the the music or the song, and the rest of the song to me in, musically, I just don't know if it knows what it's trying to do. And and when you give the story that this is the one that they fired him, you know, momentarily over not finding the sound, it kind of makes sense to me because I'm not sure they ever really did find the sound on it. Wayne Wayne I'll 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 speak on
0: your behalf, okay? Is that okay? I'll speak on your behalf to Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, you're wrong.
5: <laughs>
3: okay, go ahead, Brian. Well, I'm going to say while well, while Jeff would be screaming Benmont, I am going to scream Ron Blair because he really shines on this song, the sliding bass I yeah. think is what really stands out in this track and it's not often a the bass player in any Tom Petty song Is really thought about but if if you remove those slide that sliding bass run that he's doing imagine the song without it and it's empty and it would just feel even more weighed down so i i really feel he shines on that now i can understand why this song was never released as a single but I can't picture listening to damn the torpedoes without it. So like Jeff said, it does fall in the middle tier for me where if it fell off the album, I'd be very upset, but it's definitely not one of the instant takeaways from the album.
2: And I I don't, I I don't ever skip it. There's nothing I would skip on this album. Well, of course there's one that's close, but, um, I don't. I wouldn't skip it. I, I I like the song fine, but just in in comparison to the rest of it, it just doesn't. It doesn't do the same things for me. And and maybe nah. that's because the other things are so great. Uh, you know. So I. Don't I know.
0: love this song. This is my six, Wayne.
1: It's also a six. I I, I like the song too. Like I know what you're saying. As far as that that kind of that, there is some of a musically. It just it just it's full throttle. Never take your foot off, but nothing particularly special but i think lyrically it it, it shines and i i always like it. i look forward to it
0: yeah brian your score
3: uh, uh again a tough one on this one i had i gave it a three
2: all right and then jeff this is my two yeah you're so wrong all right uh <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> C- century city is i will say i will say that it is off of this album it is the fifth most played song in concert at 67 times but that's well below the other four classics sure yeah well yeah. below
1: yeah and there's uh, a, there's a right.
2: version of it on the deluxe a live version of it on the deluxe album so if you like
4: which it that is much, great
2: yeah. yeah it's fine
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right next song century city Wayne, you alluded to, well, this was nineteen seventy-nine and there was a certain sound. Could since we already did that wasn't the sound. We didn't need that sound. Since 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 we uh, already did a knack episode, could you see the knack doing this song?
1: It's hard to that it's hard to picture anybody besides Tom Petty doing a Tom Petty song. I've heard people cover him and it's you gotta really you gotta really step up. He's had such a unique voice. Um, I, I don't... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Doug Feiger could pull it off.
0: Jeff, you're the uh, California resident of the four of us, so where where exactly is Century City? Century, it,
2: this is a really dated song, for one thing, in terms of calling Century City the city of the future. It definitely... Uh, I mean, not, not that Century City is a bad place. It's not, but it's like to... to, to Painted as this, the, I, I would say that living in Reseda is is a more enduring, uh, I- iconic moment from a song from Tom Petty than Century City being the city of the future.
1: That's where the lawyers were. That's where their lawyers were during that lawsuit. That's why yeah. that's they're gonna save everything.
2: Yeah, seventy nine. That's a very different you know time period for it. So it, it just dates it. The sound effect to open the track, the pew pew yeah. laser, kind of awful. Um, and to me, when you say that someone can't cover it, this one to me goes even further than the last one in terms of being a really generic rocker. Um, this is the one that I could almost skip when I play this album. The only one uh, I, I, you know, I feel like almost any other rock band could play this same song. It wouldn't matter. Um, I, I can almost see Michael J. Fox playing it in Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> That's it's funny just because uh,
1: I wrote it uh, has uh, a Johnny funny. B. Good with like a it LA, has a an B LA B twist to it, so yep. I, I absolutely can see that.
2: Hundred percent, Johnny would good. I kept imagining Michael J. Fox playing it, so I don't. This is the song that I, I legitimately just, I honestly kind of don't like it. Yeah, which is, which is sacrilegious, and, and, I guess, but.
0: And and keep in mind that when you're listening to this on Spotify, the sequencing, you know, I, it, it, Century City is the last song on side side A, and that's where you usually bury the worst songs. Yep. So I think they knew that as well, that this was not as strong as some of the other songs on this record. So yeah, just kind of keep that in mind.
3: My nitpick about it, this first one, I have this, this is going to sound, I apologize in advance for this petty of me, but (laughs) (laughs) I just am not a fan of 16th notes on a hi hat. And that in the opening, just it, I kind of picture it, what it would sound like if the drummer played that on eighths instead. And there's just something about that 16th note that it was almost like a ridiculously fast disco beat over a rock song. It just sounded a little too cookie cutter for that time. And I, Honestly, this is one of the two songs on the album that I feel like the songs that were left off Nowhere and Surrender that ended up on the deluxe edition I think could have replaced this song or and Casa not Dega. hindered Casa and Dega? not uh, Casadega as well. The B-side, yeah. Oh. To, uh, I, I, any one of those three songs could have replaced Century City and not hindered the album's popularity by any means. Yeah, 100%. Totally. And then my favorite line being I'm doing that with this one is In this song is, and now, and I've come to now accept it as a reoccurring phase. I just love some of the lines. He just knows how to like emote things that speaks to so many generations. Cause when I saw him in concert back in 2011 or 12, I forgot what year it was, but my father and I went and we were shocked at just the spectrum of people between five-year-olds with their parents who were my age at the time teenagers who were there in their you know, college kids that were partying all the way up to people that were older than my father in their seventies and you know, mid to late seventies. And everybody re- took something away from the song. And for a songwriter to be able to do that, it lyrically or musically is a gift. And it was something that I, th- I think really, you know, speaks volumes in some of these lines that I kind of cherry picked out of the songs.
0: Yeah. All right. This is my two. Wayne.
1: Four. I like songs about lawyers. And I I just like the concept of we're in this, you know, we're going down to Century City where those boys are going to take care. They're going to don't worry about nothing. The rain or the thunder, your mama or your father, the boys from Century City got it covered.
2: Wayne also likes songs about guns and money. Yeah, he? I was
0: going to
1: say <laughs>
2: Lawyers, Guns, lawyers, guns and Money might be the only lawyer song I actually would well, like. Lawyers
1: in Love? Yeah. <laughs> Jackson yeah. Brown?
2: Or a lawyer. Lo-
1: uh, there uh, you go. Maybe.
2: All right. Jeff, your score? Uh, this is my one.
0: All right. And Brian? Two. All right. Nobody else had it as a one. I'm intrigued to see what your ones are. I'm intrigued. All right. I'm intrigued. Let's. Uh... I'm I'm super
2: petty with my one. We'll get to that in Wow. Um
0: all right. <laughs> we, we already, he, he,
2: Brian had already used the pun too, so yeah, that makes it even worse.
0: Double fault. I know, I know. I know. All right, let's flip the record over. This is don't do me like that. Was Petty's first top ten song, um, deservingly. Yeah. Yes. Great song. single off, first single off the record, and um, yeah, this was almost given to the Jay Giles band. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: Yeah, GBI heard not. that and that got out, got right on the phone. Yeah. And G- the
3: Giles. sad part is, I can actually yeah. hear Jay Giles doing this. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. They could absolutely yeah. nail it. That's
2: that would it would fit right. And it was originally written for Mud Crutch.
1: Yeah, they uh, right. they played the original.
3: Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that on the uh, on the playback box set? Yes. yes, the original Mud Crudge version, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is another just timeless, timeless heartbreakers classic. My only real complaint is it's a tad short. I I, I wish it were a little bit longer. Um, but uh, again, I love the organ, Benmont. the keys, knew and the percussion yeah. on this <laughs> one. I, I just think. And it, it's organ and keys coming together. So I think it's Benmont and um, I think Campbell might. This might be the one he plays keys on, because um, he's listed as playing keys on the album. So I, it, I love, I love, love, love the organ and keys on this one, and the percussion. It's it's
3: fantastic. I have to jump right on that and say Benmon as well. That Hammond opening, the organ sound. I've put out several albums of original music. And when my keyboardist started recording with me, I said to him, I have this sound I want to. I, I, my, inf- my influence is Don't Do Me Like, like That by Tom Petty. I kind of want the, the organ to drive the opening of the song. And we use that for several times because it's just such a huge influence to me that it's just such a fantastic sound. And the other thing I wanted to scream to the rafters about this song is the production quality really stands out on this song. I mean, it is so crisp and clean between the tom rolls. You can hear every thump of a tom, every instrument you could, I've listened to this song multiple times in a row and just fixated on one instrument. And then I went back and listened to it again and then fixated on another instrument because this, the recording is just so well done. You could literally sit there and focus your mind and pick apart every part of the song. And it's just fascinating to listen to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it reminds me that that comment reminds me when we were talking to Ken Stringf- Stringfellow string band about the, the big star album and the production and how much better that production was and a lot of the stuff at the time. And I, I think that that's there with this too in exactly what you're saying. It doesn't feel like a mash of instruments. It feels like you can pick the individual things out in this album a lot more than it feels like you should be able to in 79. That's Shelly Yakus. Yeah. yeah. That's totally Shelly.
0: Um, All right, let's get some scores. Wayne.
1: Uh, You know, I I just want to make sure that I complete the uh, circle and Ben Monttench. I mean, this is the one song on here that's a piano song. It was written on the piano by Tom Petty. And he, I mean, in creation and execution, Ben Mont is the star of this show. Um, I gave it a seven. All
0: right, Jeff. Uh, Seven. And then Brian. I'm going to have to cut them down to size and go to a six. Uh, well, this is this is the one who, I think Brian, you you uh, you felt bad about giving a five to. Here comes my girl. This oh, is my. Boom. I I feel bad giving this a five, and it is no way indicative of lower than Shadow of a Doubt. You're nuts. Yeah, you're nuts. No, I'm I I love Shadow of a Doubt. You're I nuts. really do. I'm. You're also
1: nuts, be, though. That sounds like two different questions, but
0: I am also nuts. All right, next song is uh, You Tell Me. to be punny here brian i have no notes on this song so you tell me why you like this song
3: all right well i'll be honest we talked about him earlier donald duck dunn brings the bass to this track yep and he brings something completely different to the table if you're not familiar with Donald Duck Dunn. He's played with a couple of little lightweights like Eric Clapton and Neil Young and John Prine and Albert King. And then my favorite instance of his playing was in the blues brothers. Um, But if you listen to you tell me you could hear why two years later, Dunn was chosen to play bass on stop dragging my heart around because those two songs kind of fall into the same musical wheelhouse where this, there's just this undeniable groove to it. It's funky and it's kind of slow and it's got this kind of groove that stands out from anything else on the album. And something I want to say about this song, uh, let's when I mention this next artist, let's leave his personal stuff out of this. But I always felt that Ryan Adams' Give Me Something Good was written with You Tell Me in his mind because it has the same feel and groove, albeit a lot slower than Tom Petty's song. And then uh, my favorite line from it is this might be over honey, but it ain't through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That uh, tell me something good uh, or give me something good. Give me something. Good. Give me something good. Yeah. Has, has some really
2: great organ in that one as well. This is uh this is one of the two that I mentioned, I think that are two lesser known gems on this album. Um, again, more great Benmont keys and Oregon along with, uh, you know, what you said already about uh, Donald Dunn. um. It has shades. This has definite shades of future Heartbreakers classic sounds yeah. in it. What I referenced earlier of like this, this is an evolution towards, you know, uh, wildflowers or, uh, in the great White open or what it, there's, there's shades, there's hints that you're hearing like, ah, oh, this is where some of that's coming from. And, um, I, this, this is one that, um, uh, I, you know, I, I have, a lower score than I'd like. I'd like to have a few higher scores for a couple of these, but yeah, really. Dig All it. right.
0: This is, this is my four Wayne.
1: This is my one. And I, I say that because this is a testament to how great this album is, because I don't, I don't have anything bad. I don't have anything bad to say about it. I, I literally, I, the first Tom Petty, uh, I ever got was somebody, I bought the, Cassette from, uh, for long after dark from somebody. And I hear a lot of, I hear some of that in this, uh, song. It's just something, something was my least favorite. It does sound, it doesn't, it, it sounds different than the others, not different, bad, just, I guess, different, different.
0: Yeah. All right, Jeff,
2: um,
3: four and then Brian. I went as high as seven with this one. This one really jumps out of the album at me, and it's one of those ones that God, I wish Petty played more live because I feel like this could have fallen into a really cool live vehicle with some awesome solo sections and kind of given some of the heartbreakers a moment to shine.
2: It was never played in concert, according to Setlist FM. What?
3: Yeah, what are what are what a what a problem that is, man? That's, That's crazy. just That's, yeah. yeah.
0: Was that because they didn't think that How You're Wrong could handle
2: the bass part, or I, I don't know? But I, uh, uh, wow. I, I could not find it, it. Does not show it as having ever been played. Wow! All right. Which the is a big loss. Shift. That's the fewest times. The next fewest times of a song being played in concert off this album is eleven. Um, so and that's probably the next song. It is. It is. Yeah. Although the following one's just fourteen. So there's a few that didn't get played a lot off this. Twenty yeah. times for Century City. So gotcha
0: all right next song is what are you doing in my life
1: I love that that Richard that little Richard you know boogie woogie piano that's in it. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, I I really like the song. I do hear some of that uh, that Southern California new wave kind of almost uh, well like the old school rock and roll creeping into it. Um, and I I can say I think on this could have been a single on maybe one of the, the of his first two records. I mean, this is a great song. It's a I like to say I'm rank ranking these from top to bottom, um, and it, a three may sound bad, but this is as good as anything yeah. anybody did.
2: I, I like it. Um, I think it's a, t- it's a tad generic, but it sounds, it's a tad, uh, generic, a uh, petty and the heartbreaker song, you know, in, in my estimation, it's kind of, it's generically them and it sounds like them and it fits and it works and it's fun. Um, so in terms of maybe filler on an album, uh, it's, it's good petty filler. Yeah. Um, I, I, think this would kind of maybe fall in the same category uh, that um, Brian already mentioned in terms of, I think there's a couple of things from the deluxe edition that are still maybe better than this. Um, you know, in Surrender Nowhere, Casadega in particular, like I, I think that it, it could have been replaced with one of those. And uh, But I like the song.
3: Yeah. I I literally had that in my notes. So I'm just echoing exactly what you said, that Nowhere, Surrender Casadega could have replaced this one and I would have been fine with it. Uh, I feel like this is the most punk-influenced song on this album for the punk scene at the time. I could totally hear this track being done by Joan Jett or by the cars on one of their earlier albums. I don't know why, but when I hear it, I hear just a little bit of um, from the Cars' self titled uh, um, don't just stop. I feel that same type of frantic pacing that I hear in this one. And I can honestly hear it in somewhere sitting uh, in the middle of bad reputation by Joan Jett.
0: I think Doug Figer could have pulled this one off, Wayne.
1: Yeah, it's about get a group, you know, a groupie getting away, you know, get out of here, beat it, beat it, beat yeah. it. yeah. That's he would have had to creep it up a little bit, but he could have done it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there would have been a fifteen-year-old girl <laughs> as the uh, protagonist. I don't know. Um, all right, let's get some scores, um, Brian. This is my one. All right Jeff, three. Wayne, also a three. And this was my three as well. Leads us to last track on the studio release, which is Louisiana Rain. throw this out there, this is my least favorite song, mostly because I just really hate the beginning section of this song. You're not wrong. You're,
2: You're not wrong about hating that, but it shouldn't be judged with that tied to it. That's no, exactly right. I did. Right. It, just, I did. It, it just shouldn't. It shouldn't. And and, it, and really, here's the way that I finally found. I hated the beginning. I it, It's obnoxious. That minute plus intro. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely a t- terrible thing. The slot machine, weird sounding opening songs. But here's the way to think of this song. Take okay. Take the albums. You just take the albums that had hidden tracks, right? And the weird mm. noise that they had in between the last song and the hidden track that would almost chase you off of an album. And if you didn't stick around and get over that barricade, you didn't get whatever was there at the end on the other side. And and there there's there are albums that did that. And there were some hidden songs sucked. Some hidden songs were great. Uh, every once in a while, you had to stick around through something obnoxious to sort of get to whatever the Carmel center was that made it worth sticking around for and this is a really beautiful song this to me is a, a really it's a completely lost or unknown gem I, I think uh, it, it, to me it's the one that just really shines off this album that I don't think anybody knows about uh, but it's hidden behind a barricade and if you make it over you're rewarded for the effort Yeah. so, so, oh.
0: so, so here's where I, I get what you're saying but you guys talked about those emotional connections that you have with certain petty songs. My emotional connection is with Southern accents. And this I feel was the beginning of Southern accents where, but he perfected it on Southern accents, not on Louisiana range.
3: I was just going to say for this album, I'm actually surprised it's your least favorite because it is the most Americana song on the album. And like Jeff mentioned before, I hear in this song, the roots of wildflowers throughout the melody of this song. And I mean, to bookend an album that starts with an opening punch, such as refugee, you couldn't pick a more beautiful song in this track listing to close the album with. And, and I completely agree that the, the garbage before the song starts is definitely uh, like, I actually have an MP3 version that just kind of, I lopped it off and fade in and just goes right into the actual song. And to me, me that's the, yeah, that, (laughs) you know, Um, but I honestly, and then my favorite line, on this song might be my favorite line in the album is thank God for the long neck bottle. The angels remedy.
2: Yeah. 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 This is, and this is the one that comes the closest to cracking that for me, the top four classic songs Uh, because of exactly what you said too, is that it does have very much shades of, of future stuff. It has shades of Southern accent. It has shades of wildflowers. They're in here and they're close. They're very close to me. Uh, the, all the imagery is fantastic. He really builds the story I think that you're 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 penalizing it hard for the intro, and I understand it, but just figure out how much time there is and do the slider on Spotify or do an edit <laughs> and just listen yeah. to the song without that stuff because it is it's it would be easy to tank it because of that, and it is annoying. But uh, I, I see it as like a hidden track, so.
1: And I like what it okay. does also, and the fact that um, these are four or five, these are five guys from the south, and yet this whole record has been very. West coast rock and roll per se. I mean, with their, with some, some influence, but this seems to me, cause I gave it a bad score because I, I just, I, it's a great song, but I, I, I something had to get the two. Um, I, I, I can't understand the logic behind the minute and eight seconds of nonsense. Like somebody, somebody, I don't know, I, I just wish somebody could explain it to me better, but I love I call it, drugs. I, I, I,
2: I blame, <laughs> I, I blame Jimmy Iovine. It's just blame I, him and skip past it. And then
1: I no, I call it it's drugs, man. Drugs, it, it,
3: drugs, drugs.
1: <laughs> it sounds, it's it literally, it feels like to me, it's, it, it says, don't forget where you came from. Like after I, all I that they yeah, just yeah. did at the end of it, the last way they finish it up is by saying, we're not, we don't, we still know who we are. We still know where we come from.
2: And a great yeah. bookend. Great bookend with refugee. Great bookend, I think.
0: And and don't misconstrue my my lowest score on this. I'm not skipping this song. I'm just I'm penalizing it for that first minute and eight seconds. And whatever you guys can
2: listen
4: make fun of me. Listen to it three
2: listen to it three times this next week at some point by skipping that okay. part and see if you feel different on that song. I, I promise you your score is heavily influenced by that intro. And, and I think it would have risen more than a spot. Uh, honestly, if you, if you listened to it with those ears of not being annoyed by it, and I don't blame you for being annoyed by it. Okay. Uh, all right. Rest of your guys, scores, Wayne
1: two,
0: Jeff five and then Brian four. All right. And we've already talked a little about the, um,
2: the deluxe version. So I would hype the, I I would hype the Casa Dega. I, that's, that's the one to me that uh, it's the B side of don't do me like that. And I just think it's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. It it really, I don't know what they were, why they didn't include it in the album, but it's just a really great song. Uh, Here's my theory
0: on that. I feel
2: like because
0: the riff is very time of the season zombies feel, Maybe. As the underlying riff, that I wonder if they're like people have probably heard this song before, but I really do like Casadega. I th- I I think that 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 should have replaced a couple of the songs on the on this record. And I and I wouldn't even I wouldn't replace Louisiana Rain. I would just get rid of that minute and eight seconds. I, I oh. just see,
3: and the thing is, the album's only thirty-seven minutes long. I feel like a nowhere Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those
2: like nine song, uh, late seventies vinyl type things where you're like, why are you guys in such a hurry? Nothing's. It's not like these aren't Neil Young jams, you know. There, you had time. Uh, it, you could have had a couple more tracks on there. There's a couple of good ones here.
0: Yeah, surrender. So I think sounds a little familiar to some of the other songs on the record. I like it. Um, nowhere probably doesn't belong on this record but i could totally see it on hard promises
3: ah yeah okay okay i was gonna say nowhere over surrender but Casadega, kind of probably edging them both out
0: yeah and then uh the it's raining again which is just a demo it's not a complete track it's like a minute and a half long so and then of course there's some live tracks that jeff you alluded to as well
2: i think Dega is the one for me that might actually crack even as high as like six on this it might even might even jump really? up over one of the top four for me i i really love that song i think it's a great great song okay
3: yeah. i would I'm definitely good. take Casadega over what are you doing in my life in century city definitely
0: yeah me too How about you?
1: Um, yeah, I, it's just one of those records I'd hate to mess with, but I mean, I don't, I don't argue that at least one or two of those songs probably should have been on the record. Nice, rounded out at ten.
0: All right. Um, so this is the point where I say, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything?
2: I think so. I think
0: yeah, I think we got it. Uh, any surprises of what number one is? Even the losers.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, no we answers. we all had it as second, and Wayne had it as a first, so it, it yeah. jumps up
0: there. Um, Refugee but, was second with an average score of
2: 7.5. Wayne tanked that with his woke, um, <laughs> you know,
0: uh, <laughs> <He's>
4: feeling, <laughs> feeling bad about refugees. Yeah. He tank,
2: yeah. tanked it. Uh, yeah.
0: Here comes my girl, average score of 7. That was because Brian kind of tanked that a little bit for no, I'm
3: sorry, guys.
0: Uh, it's all good uh don't do me like that 6.25 average score and then shadow of a doubt sorry jeff and brian you Uh, couldn't real you 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 couldn't you couldn't get that um that was just edged over uh you tell me and that was that was all wayne
3: Uh, i was gonna say wayne
0: tank that one that was all wayne that was all wayne
2: yeah, I, it, but it is in, interesting the top t- the top 4 songs that history has kind of deemed are the four my st- most iconic songs on this album still ended up yeah. as our 1 through 4. Oh, absolutely. Even though yeah. one of us may have had one of them lower than the top 4 or whatever, it's still right
3: there. I made a strong push for you tell me throwing that up at 7 and uh man, I wonder, I, I,
2: <laughs> I wonder if I had shifted that to my 5 instead of Louisiana Rain if that would have bumped it over shadow of a doubt probably oh it would have tied not, it with shadow of a doubt it would have tied it. i'm oh, not wow. moving around numbers because wayne always gets after me no no i was just curious <laughs> would have, around, it would have so. tied it with shadow of a doubt i just like louisiana rain too much
4: mm-hmm. yeah
0: no it's all good all right guys this was fun i'm glad that we finally did it only took over 120 episodes for us to finally do a tom petty record <sighs> we've
2: got to do wildflowers man i mean we've been teasing it and i i if you don't include me on wildflowers i will kick you in the nuts when i come to see you
3: i haven't met you yet but if you don't include me on wildflowers i'd <laughs> kick you in the nuts too which would be awkward cuz we never met before right right <laughs> well, well we'll 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 do this again soon
0: um you know cuz yeah we we've been teasing doing wildflowers and just so you just so you know jeff so wildflowers has now been brought up three different times by other guests or potential guests who said, I want to talk about wildflowers and I've told them, no, it's not, it's not available for discussion.
2: Yeah. So we need to do that one. We need to do it. I know. Yeah. I think that's the one I'll get a little more emotional on.
0: Yeah. That's good. All right. Um, so Brian, tell, tell, tell everyone where they, where they can find tune styles.
3: TuneStylesPodcast.com we are anywhere you find fine podcasts like Records Revisited and you can find us on Facebook at Toonstiles Podcast, on Twitter at TuneStyles and on Instagram at Toonstiles Podcast. and you know, connect, say hi let us know you found us through this show and uh, we'll keep the music nerdery going with you guys uh, in between episodes of Records Revisited
2: Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram at JeffMakesJokes. Um, and if you follow me right now, I'm not that funny uh, right now. I just don't feel that funny. So it's more politics than I would like. Instagram is more my art and and projects anyway. But Twitter, I, I bounce. I try and make some jokes on Twitter, but I don't feel that funny right now. So uh, And so- you're... Somebody robot lamps, my robot lamp, my robots and my lamps and that on Instagram. So you might dig some of that. Instagram is more just my photos and weird stuff. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I'm also a photographer. So I try and mix some of that stuff into Wayne. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, in his, uh, in his basement. Here uh, in my living room (laughs) watching, uh, Ozark most nights. It's too hot to mow the lawn. Uh, I, I man the uh, Instagram Records Revisited podcast.
0: Yep. And you can, of course, find us on Twitter at Podcast Records.
1: You can call it like one of my posts. Just, I'm just saying that.
2: Yeah, that was cool, man. That's <laughs> cool. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you brought that up again. Yeah, well, Richard Marks hated on one of yours on Twitter, so I think you guys are even.
0: Well, okay. Net, here's where I'm going to be even. So I gushed all about um brian fallon's most recent record and he liked that and retweeted it so that's that's something that's very cool very cool all right um all right so thanks for listening please go support the arts i would tell you to go to a live show but you kind of know the drill on that so go to a stage it and don't miss it if glenn phillips is playing in your eyes and on stage it um buy a t-shirt of the band go buy a record maybe a replacements record or a matt nathanson record or whatever uh we are records revisited and we are out out
5: out out.
2: i did it too fast i was a (laughs) premature outer
3: (laughs) hate it when that happens right